Let us join in hearing the word of God. If you are able, please stand to show reverence to the Lord. Our Old Testament reading this morning is Jeremiah 3, 14 through 17. Return, O faithless children, declares the Lord, for I am your master. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And when you have multiplied and been fruitful in the land, in those days, declares the Lord, they shall no more say, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It shall not come to mind or be remembered or missed. It shall not be made again. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all nations shall gather to it, to the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem, and they shall no more stubbornly follow their own evil heart. Our New Testament reading is Revelation 7, 9 through 17. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is living and abiding and is forever settled in heaven. Lord, as we have read your word and as it is preached this morning, Lord, may it be forever settled in our hearts for the glory of your name. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. It's interesting to me that many are looking to explore the possibility of moving life away from this planet. You see it in, in, well, articles, you've heard stories, maybe you've seen news stories of of, uh, rich people who are getting on spaceships, rockets they're flying up into space and coming back. Or maybe you've seen movies 
movies like Elysium or Alita, Battle Angel. Okay, see, some of you young people know those movies. Some of you others might have to go look it up on YouTube. But in those movies, they show that there's a life below and there's a life above. In Elysium, it's a world of, of, of rich people who, who were able to leave the planet and, and have, this, have this circling city above. And in, uh, in uh, Alita's story, Tepers is a city that floats above and the city dumps its scraps on, on the earth. You know, and, and both of these movies kind of have the same concept in, in, in with, the, with this floating city above and, and, and the way that it excludes certain types of people and the earth itself is, is it's a dystopian. It's no longer habitable, but then the people that are there are, are, are poor and they're, they're criminals and they're all kind of, of, of what would be considered low life people. And those who are below are desiring to go uh, to get to the life above because there there's medicine there there's help there's there there is is prosperity elysium has its roots in in greek mythology and leda alita the the battle angel is it's a japanese graphic novel and like most comic books it it blends mythological aspects of the culture and, and its history and religion you know, kind of like the way Marvel comic books are and DC comic books do. But what's interesting to me is that whatever world they travel to, basic human nature remains sinful. They're still envious. They're still greedy. They're still full of lust. They're still murderers. They're still gluttonous. They're still prideful and... There's still this lack of passion. There's sloth. And even in the latest remake of, of uh, some of you will remember, Lost in Space. In the latest remake of Lost in Space, it's, it's the same thing. They, they're, they leave, they're leaving this planet to find a, a planet like Earth to begin to build a, a new world since the one that they've left has been depleted. But they take broken human nature with them and like C.S. Lewis said, they cannot crawl one inch outside their proper skin. They can't escape themselves. Now, such movies can leave you feeling despair. But I like these movies. <laughs> yeah, because they, they show that we, have, that we have a desire for something beyond us, something better than us, some transcendence. And the human family wants to, to go somewhere. It wants to be led to some place where we can be made better. And that's why good art screams at us all the time with these types of longings. But there's a tendency. There's a tendency, though, in these stories to do what ancient cultures did they didn't trust their gods. They didn't trust the gods of, or, or, or of, of their mythology or their religion. And every culture places the living God and Jesus in that category. Not worth trusting. 
not good, powerless to change the way things are. And yet these cultures, the, as, 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 a, as, as a community, longing for salvation. And now you're wondering, where is this going and how does this relate to the passage we read? Well, since you are wondering, and since we, and since we are at the end of our series on discipleship, Remember, discipleship basically means, yeah, you're following something. You're following someone. Whomever you're following, you're hoping that they will lead you to being better, to having more, to live in, in harmony and, and peace within the human committee, community, to have life everlasting. So that, who are you following? We are following someone. Are you following Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or Joe Biden? Yeah. Or are you following Jesus Christ? Who is your shepherd? And how, how will he get you home? Because these texts tell us where Jesus is leading us. They tell us the character of his leadership. They tell how, how out of that character he provides for us the way home where he is. He shepherds us. And so it's fitting. It's fitting that we should talk about the destination of discipleship on a day when we've ordained and installed an elder. And particularly an elder because an elder's task is to shepherd Elders are disciples that are shepherds who are seeking to have their hearts match the heart of the lamb that is our shepherd. But what does that mean? Elders and, and shepherds are, are only of value in so much as they follow the lamb. You see, the shepherd or the elder who, who insists that you follow them just for the sake of following them is not worthy to follow. And they must point you to the lamb who is, as our text says, our shepherd. See, God provides shepherds so that we can all get home. You see, sheep have a herd instinct. Maybe you know this. You know, if I didn't grow up on a farm. You know, so, you know, whatever I know about sheep, I've read it in a book. Sheep, I've read, have, they have a herd instinct. They stay together for greater protection while they graze. So, so if you think of this, this, this analogy, shepherds feed them with knowledge and understanding for their protection. The shepherd is fed, the shepherd is himself is fed with the knowledge and understanding so that they can feed. They're, they, they, they're, they're fed with this knowledge and understanding of, of who we are as the people of God and the place where we will dwell and in, in the presence that shelters us. So this, this, let's think about this, that who we are, we, who we are as the people of God. Look at Jeremiah 3.17. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord and all nations shall gather to it to the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem and they shall no more stubbornly follow their own evil heart. And in Revelation 7, verse 9 and 10, 
After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. So shepherds are fed with knowledge of God, with knowledge of God, and Understanding. Understanding is, is it's how this knowledge is to shape and influence every sphere of life. So shepherds are fed with knowledge of God and understanding of, of who we are as the people of God. And the text tells us several things about the people of God that the shepherd must know and understand. Because the people, they're God's people. And so the text tells us that, that who we are, we are those who, the people of God are those whose robes have been made white in the blood of the Lamb. That receiving, receiving grace is how they are made the people of God. That there's only one detergent that cleanses, and it's the blood of the Lamb. People who are citizens, this is the second, people, they are people who are citizens of the heavenly Jerusalem, their ultimate home. The people of God are, are people who are submitted to the throne of the Lamb, the ultimate allegiance. Their ultimate allegiance is given to him. The people of God are, are people who are gathered from all nations, which is why if our discipleship is, is stewarding the unity that we've been given, this is why we pursue racial reconciliation. The people of God are, are people who do not as the scripture says, follow their own evil heart. See, self-interest is not what characterizes this community. And now these, these are things, these are things that, that make the gospel good news. <laughs> the elders are fed so they can feed this good news of the gospel. Elders, yeah, shepherds and elders immerse themselves in the message of the gospel. And see, this is not a different, it's not a different gospel, but the same good news that was from the beginning. Which is why Jeremiah and the, the passage in Jeremiah and the passage in Revelation, they go together. Because it's the same message. But that's not all. These shepherds who are after God's own heart are fed so they can feed the knowledge and understanding of the place where the people of God dwell. Look at the verse, look at, look at verse 15 of Revelation 7. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them from with his presence. And in verse 17 again of Jeremiah 3, at that time Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all nations shall gather to it, to the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem, and they shall no more stubbornly follow their own evil heart. The elders are fed with the knowledge and understanding of the place the people of God will dwell so that they might feed the people with knowledge and understanding of their dwelling place so that they order their lives accordingly. See, what's special about this dwelling place? That it should alter your life so? Well, it's the new Jerusalem, and it's before the throne of God. See, in the Bible, Jerusalem is, is spoken of sometimes as a city, other times as a people. 
And sometimes it's an ancient city, and sometimes it's the renewed city of the people of God coming down. Sometimes Jerusalem is spoken of as a temple. But it's clear, and it's clear here in Jeremiah that the city was not the current city for the Lord. This is a lot of Jeremiah's message. The Lord was about to destroy that. But, it's a, but it is the Jerusalem to come, renewed and restored. This renewal is described, it's, it's foreseen in Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 19, where there in, the, in that, for, in that for, what's, what's, what's seen by Isaiah, it says, he says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people no more shall shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. So that's the renewal foreseen. The renewal fulfilled is Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4, where John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death and sh shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Hallelujah. See, this is the place, this is the place where we will dwell. The new Jerusalem coming down to a new earth. And elders are fed with the knowledge and understanding of the place where we will dwell so they might feed the people of God. The New Jerusalem, as you see, as we just read, it's nothing like Elysium. It's, it's nothing like Tepers, where, where, where the struggle is to go up. But the New, the new, the new Jerusalem is one that comes down to us. This is, this is the grace of God. It's one that comes down to us. And, and, and as you see, God is not snobbish. You can't buy your way into the new Jerusalem. He's not snobbish in that way <laughs> about who gets in. But it, and he says, it's every nation, every people, tribe, and tongue. You see, knowing, knowing where you will dwell eternally will change who you are presently. Homelessness is traumatic. I've never been homeless. But I can, I can clearly remember when I thought my siblings and I would be homeless after my parents died. I mean, there was immediate panic and a feeling of, of bewilderment and, and helplessness and, and vulnerability and powerlessness. And to this day, I can still, I can still recall those feelings. But it took someone, it took someone outside of our home to give us a home and to keep us together. And that changed me. That changed me. Can I say this? You, you're, you're homeless if you don't know Jesus. And the worst thing that you can do is to continue in that homelessness thinking it's normal. 
You're in constant panic mode. But, what you, try, but you try to stuff it with, with things and with relationships with other homeless people. But God calls you to come and to be with him. See, that's what Jesus Christ has done for all those whom he rescues. He gives us a home. He says to us, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. He gives us a home. And unlike the the mythical gods of, of ancient cultures, he's worthy of your trust. He is good and he has the power to change the way things are and to bring you to himself. And his intention, his intention is for his people to be with him in the holiest of holies forever. Hallelujah. See, the shepherd and the elder feeds on these truths and, and, they, and, this, and they feed this knowledge and understanding to God's people so that they might learn to enjoy the presence that shelters us. Look at verses 15 through 17 of Revelation 7. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. See, the elder knows and understands that following Christ, in following Christ, he is poised for joy. See, this goes beyond circumstances. It goes beyond suffering. It goes beyond loss. Joy is the presence of God. See, if if you are a disciple of Jesus, you have to understand, you you need to understand this, that the, the presence of God is where your joy is located. The earth, earth cannot fulfill the longing of the human heart. No amount of money can satisfy You can't take enough drugs to stop the cravings your heart desires. You can't have enough sexual encounters to fill the crater that's in your soul. Those things, when they have have you in their addictive grip, only leaves you wanting more. And there's no happiness. There's no happiness in them. Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes, he's a man who tried all of these things. He tells his story there in Ecclesiastes. It's as if you're reading his journal, and he tells you how he indulged himself in all these things, and he found them to be chasing after the wind. Vanity, he called it. He says this in in 3.11, Ecclesiastes 3.11, He, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Did you hear that? That's a lot lot different than what you hear today, because today we're told to look within for our happiness, to look within for our joy, to look within to find out who you are. But looking within yourself, you can't make any sense, is what the passage says. You can't make any sense of what's happening. As if if eternity is set in the human heart, how can anything other than eternity fill the heart? And there's only one who is eternal. It's God. 
And he speaks directly to the heart about his desire to shelter you in his presence. That word shelter is a word for, for tabernacle, a word for the dwelling of, of worship, where God says that, 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 that the center, the center of your joy is found only in worshiping him. And Jeremiah says this in the New Jerusalem. He said this in, in, in back in chapter 3, where he said that there will be no more need for the Ark of the Covenant. And why is that? Because you know, that, that Ark of the Covenant was pretty important to the Jews. And why would he say this? Well, the Ark was the symbol of the presence of God. And when the reality shows up, you know, you don't need the symbol anymore, right? Yeah. See, God's presence shelters us. See, th and this is, where, this is where Jesus is leading you. And any shepherd, any shepherd you have is true if they are pointing you to Jesus. Because the shepherd who doesn't point the sheep to Jesus, he, he may know a lot, but he doesn't know anything the way he ought to know it since he doesn't know Jesus. See, and here's the question. Who is your shepherd? Who is your shepherd? You, you're following someone. Where are you grazing? Because since you aren't self-created, nor are you self-existent, you have to be following someone. You have to, you have to you know, that's someone that was here before you. Who are you following? Where have you been grazing? You see, so, so this, 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 this was reminding us that the things that might be making you anxious, God is in control. Global warming, if you're anxious about global warming, yeah, you, yeah, listen, yeah, an electric car is not going to help you in the day, on the day of the wrath of the Lamb of God. Now, I'm not saying that you don't need to care about the planet. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is that, 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 that what, what really ought to cause you anxiety is not that you have no shelter from the wrath of God. Listen to what Revelation 6, verse 16 and 17 says, because it says that the people are calling for the mountains and, and the rocks to fall on them. Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who can stand? See, they're calling out for shelter then that's the question that you need to answer. The answer to that question is, it's, that's what has to feed your heart so that you might feed others. Who can stand? Well, Revelation chapter 7 is the answer to that question. So what we've been reading, the whole, the whole matter of God sealing his servants in their forehead, the whole matter of those that the, that the angels are, are holding back all of this judgment on the earth, it's so that until the, the God's servants are sealed, that census that's taken of all of God's people, that mighty army that is, that is amassed to fight for the Lord, all of that it answers that question, who can stand? And so verse 7, verse 14 of Revelation says, says this, these are the ones coming out of great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That's how you're able to stand. You're able to stand in the day of the wrath of, of God and of the Lamb because your robes have been made white by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus has given himself as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
He's the one who calls you to follow him since he died and rose again and, and lives that we will, he will no more die. He holds the keys, the scripture tells us, to death and hell. He is eternal life. He is the lamb in the midst of the throne guiding us to lit springs of living water. You see, friends, we're following the lamb who is our shepherd. Not on Instagram. Jesus didn't make a post on, and, on Twitter and, and say, follow me. That's not, no, that's not the type of following we're talking about. We're talking about real life. Jesus leads you to ta and takes us home. So fellow sheep, I know you're waiting for this sermon to be over. Now, fellow sheep, can, can, can we graze for a moment? Can we graze on the grace of God for a moment? You see, Jesus, Jesus is the lamb in the midst of the throne. He's the lamb who is the king, who is our shepherd. Jesus, he is the good shepherd of John 10, 11, who lays down his life for the sheep. He's the good shepherd of John 10, 14, who knows his own and his own are known by him. Are you following him? See, Jesus is the shepherd and the overseer of your soul, 1 Peter 2.25 tells us. He's the shepherd who sought us when we were like sheep, the scripture says, going astray. And you know, sheep can't save themselves. He's the great shepherd. Hebrews 13.20 tells us this. He, he's the great shepherd who, through the blood of the eternal covenant, was brought back from the dead. He is the great shepherd who now equips you with everything good for doing his will and to work in us what is pleasing in his sight. He's the great shepherd. He's the chief shepherd, Peter writes, who will appear and give to the elders who after his own heart, feed the people with knowledge and understanding. They will receive from the chief shepherd an unfading crown of glory. Jesus, brothers and sisters, he is the lamb who's in the midst of the throne, our king. That's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I want. Through Jesus Christ, through this message of the gospel, we are... We are bad people made good and yet are kept through bad times. If you don't walk away with anything else from this sermon, that's what I hope you walk away with. You see, you don't, need, you, don't need, you don't need to leave this planet. But by grace, through faith, welcome the heavenly city that is coming down. Because God isn't dumping scraps on you. God sent his son. And if you've never trusted him, do so now. And the fact that Jesus is depicted as a lamb means he's one of us, a sheep. But that he is in the midst of the throne means he is God. And as a lamb on the throne, showing how he intends to rule the world, that's a joyful, comforting, life-rearranging thought. Let's pray. 
Oh Lord, help us in these days to be your disciples. Lord, continue to raise up for us elders after your own heart. Continue to raise up for us leaders who know you. And Lord, and continue your work of bringing us into your presence. Lead us, O oh good shepherd, for the glory of your name. Amen.